0: I'm Wyatt Omsberg and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons Podcast. morning afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson and i'm here with calum williams cal i want you to know that this is a safe space how adventurous is your taste in hamburgers i would say exceptionally adventurous you're ready for anything (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, i mean i'm thinking about like toppings like, are you a traditionalist? Do you like cheese, lettuce, tomato or sure. do you like I mean are you into like caramelized onions? Oh, of course, yeah. A yeah. Bacon, obviously yes, bacon. Yes. Um like like Asian themed ones like some some coleslaw or some I could be
1: tempted, Okay, yeah, yeah. All right.
0: So you're open to like whatever. I didn't say whatever. I'm not about but... to offer you whatever. I'm just say I'm just sort of curious cuz I was thinking about it, you know, today I was I had a burger for lunch. Um and you know, it's like I, I I do like those, you know, every once in a while I want one of those burgers that's from like, you know, TGI Fridays, Applebee's, you know, they sort of like, it's got barbecue and caramelized onions and fried onion straws and mm-hmm. bacon and all that and cheddar, like two kinds of cheese. I really, um, I really enjoy those kinds of burgers. Um, I was also, I, I was wondering when was the last time you had a hamburger, not a cheeseburger? Cause I feel like it's been years since I've intentionally eaten a burger without cheese on it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, it's been a while. I, I genuinely don't know. I, I just, whenever I have a burger, it's usually a cheeseburger. A cheeseburger right? yeah. Yeah. Um, but in terms of being fairly open to ideas and, and toppings and whatnot, yes, I am supremely open. However, if you're telling me something weird, like you're going to put an octopus on it or something, okay. then I'm just, that, that's a no-no for me. And not that I have anything against octopuses, because they are quite... Delicious. Yes. Uh, and fabulous creatures. We, and we, smart, we apparently. Eat, Didn't but, they like, um,
0: wasn't there one that predicted the World Cup uh, results? There was like several World Cups. Uh, yes, it was
1: 2014. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. No, not for me.
0: What is um, either a specific burger that you think of as like, this is the burger that I had. That was my favorite burger. Um, or, you know, sort of what you like to see in a topping selection.
1: Um. I'm fairly standard in terms of burgers. I I, I really just like the generic cheeseburger and whatnot. There's a fabulous um, little place in Northeast called uh, Hideaway Burger. Yes. Uh, One of my favorite places uh, in the Twin Cities, and I often venture there if I fancy a burger because I think they have some of the best burgers in town. Mm -hmm. Um, But I must admit, I have become very Minnesotan in my ways. And I really, really, really like a Juicy Lucy. Oh, man. Juicy Lucy is fantastic. You can't get a better burger, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. It's been a really long time since I've been back to Matt's, which is the Mm -hmm. flagship of Juicy Lucy's. Um, And they're so good. It's so simple. That is a great example of a burger where. It's not toppings. It's not, there's nothing crazy. Um, I enjoy the blue door, which they do a lot of crazy uh, juicy Lucy's and some of them are very good, um, but it's just the simplest stuff. The, the bun is great the fried onions the burger the cheese the fact there's no plates or anything like that and like how they always warn you about the molten cheese in the middle it's fantastic but I, i'm not craving a burger right now because i i had my burger for lunch so um,
1: well now you've made me crave a burger i, just I know
0: <laughs> a burger is a burger is one of those things where i could like i could eat a burger for lunch and it didn't I'm, I'm like you know what i haven't had in a while a burger and then I just want another burger. Do well, so. you know?
1: What, actually, I haven't had my lunch yet, but I do have a salad. Okay. And, um, Good luck. I, yeah, the, um, I I may now just not bother and just
0: going throw it. I just pop down to Matt's and just just throw it. Away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or compost it. Do the responsible thing. There we go. Let's talk about uh, Real Salt Lake. Um, uh, my opening statement on this is that I will admit, and this is going to change a little bit as we move forward into talking about Vancouver Whitecaps, um. I was a little concerned about the team going on the road against an RSL squad that had pasted Philadelphia four zero and that needed those wins against Western conference teams the same way that Minnesota United needs wins against Western conference teams. But RSL definitely did not look very threatening, um, on the evening, I would say overall. Um, and I thought that Mike Petke, who is a national treasure, <laughs> let's be honest. Yes. Um, Mike Petke's comment after the game was interesting. He said, "If I was prepared, I guess I could have audio, but I hadn't thought of that. Um, you just have to imagine me with Mike Petke's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, find me. What is it? Was <laughs> yeah, that great. Find rant. me. <laughs> I, I don't even care. Drain anymore. my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So what he said though after that game was, "It starts with me, and I feel like I pushed them a little too hard this week. Looking at this game tonight, it was clear that I did." Trying to capitalize off of last week's performance, um, and I thought that was just a really interesting perspective from a coach saying that you know he's he saw the lack of secondary things. He sort of talked about running off the ball, running in behind, sort of the effort things that go into really making making a system hum. And he felt, yeah, you know, like whoops, like mm. I, I saw a good result and I was excited by that, and so I pushed them hard in practice. Uh, and then realizing once they got out there, oh, that was a little that was a little too much, which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, um, and how refreshing is it to see a coach come out and put his hands up and say, "Yeah, actually, that was my mistake," because that doesn't happen very often in world football. And yeah. um, you know, you, you, <laughs> you, about,
0: talk to Mourinho about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're um, you, you're right. First of all, My Petke is a national treasure, um, amazing, and, and such a, a lovely, despite his rather uh, aggressive and firm stance and and the um, rather abrasive character that he he uh, usually, um, uh, gives out, um, he's actually a really, really nice chap. Yeah. And we had a good chat after the game for, about uh, good, you know, for 10 minutes or whatever, you know, and, um, just a really nice guy, um, who loves football, eats, sleeps, breathes it, uh, it's his life. And, um, you know, he's done a good job since being, you know, unceremoniously, fired by the New York Red Bulls a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because... So he's from Bohemia, New York, and he strikes me as what you're saying... I mean, it just rings so true with, like, a certain East Coast... I grew up in New England, and New England is not like this, but New York is definitely like this. Um, Brusque, like, Mm in-your-face, confrontational, but, like, doing that out of a place of love, like like a sort of heart of gold... I want the best for my players. I want the best. I, you know, like if you're my friend, I will. I will fight with you to the end. Like if you're my enemy, you're going down. <laughs> and it's funny because it seems like that approach fits the New York Red Bulls so well in terms of like the idea of if, t- if a team has, you know, a geographical location that they identify with, that would fit so well. And now he's in Salt Lake, which seems like. 180 degrees yes. vibe wise, <laughs> but he's still Mike Petkey, which is kind of, which is kind of great.
1: It, it's great. And and what I will say is, um, you know, obviously everybody was up in arms and Petke was fired from the Red Bulls and whatnot. They didn't do too bad under Jesse Marsh. So, yeah, yeah. You know, th- I'm not th- saying these... it's a mistake,
0: I'm just saying. No, you know, no, no. no. Uh,
1: <laughs> Some sometimes these hierarchies, these GMs and whatnot know what they're doing sure. and then, you know. But anyway, look, uh, for, for me, Petkey is, is, is a fabulous individual. Um, and that's very interesting what he said. I um. I wonder what he did in the week. I wonder how he pushed and pressed them too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't played, well, they hadn't played as many games as Minnesota United had over the last, uh, what was it, seven games in 22 days. They hadn't played, I think they played five, maybe six. Six, I think is correct. I... I wonder what he did to push them too hard. Yeah. Um, because I will say, I didn't think it was a great game. I thought there were mistakes all over the field. Yep. There was a lethargic element about it. I thought both teams looked tired, mm-hmm. particularly Minnesota United. Yes. Um, there was a couple of wayward passes. Uh, um, there was a, a couple of um, moves that weren't perhaps as smooth as, as we've been used to seeing over the past uh, you know, six, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't a, great, um, a great game to watch. It wasn't a great spectacle. Um, I thought Hassani Dotson did well. Um, this is the first time we've ever seen him start in the central midfield in Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously away at a difficult place. I thought him and Jan Grigus actually complemented
0: each other quite well. Yeah. Um, not perfectly, but no. well enough. Um, that was, I think there were some elements there of... I mean, I think, you know, it was leggy you know, obviously uh, from Minnesota United with that schedule. I think also the, the, some of that, the positional shifting is one of those things with like Nair coming back. Uh, He looked just as energetic as he ever has, um, and willing to go forward and also willing to track back. But just the connections were a little rusty. It seemed like, you know, and I think that with, you know, Hassani and Jan again, sort of Jan taking lead position now more, whereas, you know, with, with Ozzy and Jan, I think Ozzy is obviously still sort of the senior Mm -hmm. player there and sort of it's a little more equitable, you know, obviously Ozzy is the captain when he's, when he's on the, on the pitch, but yeah. certainly Hassani was the junior member of that pairing in that situation It's sort of a, a different dynamic scene. Yep. I think Jan looked a lot different um, in, I mean, he took a lot of shots, which is great to see. I mean, just sort of ripping him from distance. So, um, so it was interesting. It was a little different, you know. So um. It was a,
1: a good partnership, I thought, and something we could very well see in the future. You know, Ozzy is 33. He's not going to be playing forever. Right. Um, and I know the coaching staff see Hassani Dotson as a potential option and replacement for Ozzy Alonso moving forwards. Mm-hmm. I saw and heard somebody criticizing Hassani Dotson um, on another podcast um, a couple of days ago. And I have to completely disagree. Um, he's 21. He's not going to be the finished article. He's not going to be perfect. As I said, that's his first ever start in MLS in central midfield.
0: Yeah. Come on. Which is a whole different bag of cats. Absolutely. I don't know if that's a thing you say, but like (laughs) just, you know, I mean, compared to the duties of playing right back, um, not to disparage what right backs can do or have Mm -hmm. the capacity to do, but you're just, you're looking at the entire field and you're looking at the entire field from behind you coming forward to you and the entire field going forward and where everything is going to go. Mm-hmm. That's a lot different than falling back to defend on the wing or taking advantage of a moment and pushing all the way up. Like it's different. It's just, a, it's like, like mentally the space. And I think they can both be done. They can both be done. Excellently mm. to ask that for that, for that shift. He's obviously, I think comfortable, but he's just not, there were some passes that you saw that you were like, it, remind me, I think you actually mentioned this in the broadcast. Um, there was a pass where he, could have seen the pass, but it seemed like a little too long. He passed it to Jan and Jan made that pass. It was Mm. like sort of changing field. And it's like, if Asani had felt totally comfortable in that moment, like in the future, switch that field, right? Mm. But he wasn't quite there yet. But again, like you said, he's 21. He's not the finished article. There's a lot of, there's a lot left for him to grow into. Absolutely,
1: so. yeah. And, and look, uh, for me, uh, he absolutely has to be in the conversation of MLS Rookie of the Year. What have we got? Certainly. 13 games left, you know? And
0: Who who else? That, this brought up. Okay, I didn't follow up and look this up. Like, who, who else could be challenging for that right now?
1: Right now? Um, I genuinely cannot <laughs> think of anybody off the top of my head. Maybe Amaya at Cincinnati because he's played a lot of football. Yeah. Um, he's been surrounded by a, a team that have, quite frankly, yet to gel and figure things out. Sure. Um, and still has has played quite well. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, no. he's looking pretty good. I, I I can't I can't think of anybody, Steve, yeah. that that really warrants the amount of attention that Hassani Dotson, who, by the way, let's not forget, was drafted at thirty-one. Yeah. That's unreal, that is. What a pickup. That is unreal. And, and I remember the, the chaps who were doing the broadcast
0: sort of shrugged their shoulders when he was drafted. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they were like,
1: ah, oh, you know, he'll just be another body. He's got energy and stuff. Yeah. And, you We've know, mentioned it before.
0: It. I was like, maybe we never even meet him. Like, maybe he never even makes it all the way to, right. to camp, you know. So. And
1: here he is, um, and and very much deserving of the MLS Rookie of the Year Award, in my opinion, should he carry on yeah. Um. The, the stream that he has swum. Um, long over the, the last uh, couple of weeks, couple of months, um, but for people to to um, say he wasn't very good, I I thought was completely wrong. Yeah. Um, and have you swum frankly, in a lot of
0: Have you swum in a lot of streams um, in your life? It, I mean, several. Okay. Um, I don't swim in a lot. of I swim in some lakes. I'm not much of a river swimmer which is
1: what I would imagine. I quite like it because it you know you don't really have to work too much you can just let yourself The lazy river go, you know, quality. Exactly, too. Yes, yeah. I mean yes.
0: I've been in some artificial rivers mm-hmm. on a on a you know an inner tube which is very pleasant. Um, uh, yes it is. Um, you know with a little
1: beverage of some sort it's wonderful yeah, totally. but um, <laughs> a cooler
0: and uh, another Absolutely, you know, yeah, inner and tube, problem. So, yeah.
1: and you're sorted. But no I just for for somebody to say that Hassani dotson wasn't great I just thought it was totally wrong. And and you know if people are going to um, take up um, roles as in inverted commas broadcasters, um, looking to influence people uh, and looking to get their opinion out there, your opinion has to be right. And I I, I shan't name the person because I don't want to give them the the satisfaction, but. I thought it was preposterous to even think that Hassani Dotson was poor that evening. And look, he he's, he, he worked his way into the MLS team of the week as well, which which uh, tells its own tale. Yep. Um, and Hassani Dotson, for me, uh, is somebody who is developing quite nicely um, at a rapid pace, um, but let's not put the pressure of the world on him. He's 21. Yeah. Um, if he starts another five, six games this season, he's had a wonderful year. Absolutely. And let's just let him develop at his own pace.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of hot takeism out there, and I think it's... <laughs> isn't there just? The, uh, you know, the, the media... I, I don't mean the... Like, I, obviously, in some ways, I am part of the media, um, but I think the, the... I guess I should say the medium of sports writing and sports talking right now sort of demands that you have an immediate take on something. And then if it's wrong, no one pays attention. This is the, there's no, there's very little cost to it. So everybody who says something that's outlandish uh, they get the clicks and then a week later, everybody's forgotten. So there's, there's very little, there's very little uh, to pay for in those situations, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be a little more responsible about Absolutely, how we talk about this stuff and just be patient. I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's, I think if you look at Minnesota United over the last three years, two and a half years, I guess, at this point. Um, you, You have to think, sometimes stuff just needs time. You know, like there's, there's decisions made along the way. There are good decisions, bad decisions. There's um, uh, some decisions that aren't clear that, that get better later. There's ones that are bad that don't end up costing you that much in the end, even if people are super upset about them. There's a lot of, you know, jeering about the three-year plan, right? Oh, three-year plan. Like we're not going to get, it's like, this is the third year. Mm -hmm. It's going pretty good right now. You know, like, and I'm not saying that that's the end of it. There should be more coming, but you know, I think anybody jumping to conclusions too quickly. It's like give it, yeah, you know, give it some time. So let me talk about Jan Gregoosh. Uh, I want to bring up uh, again the shooting, uh, which was fun. I talked to him uh, at training, and it's it's clear. I was sort of saying, you know, obviously um, a little disappointing result. I was like, well, not really disappointing. You get a point on the road. That's what you're supposed to do. He was like, no, it was it was disappointing mm. because you know that that shot that he took that Ramondo had just given up on. Uh, you know. That should have gone in. Ramondo thought it was going in. <laughs> it was, it, that's an interesting element because I w- watched it again, and I was thinking that, like, Ramondo's uh, uh, abandonment of it maybe paid off for him because I think if he had made it, tried to make a save on it, if he had outstretched, you know, if he had sort of been facing the ball and gone for it and it had pinged off the post, it might have gone off of him into the goal, hmm. but because he just sort of stood there and when it came off it went out into the into the 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 pitch instead. So um Raimondo, obviously a legend. 500 appearances in MLS. The only player to do that. Um he also just doesn't look very good.
1: I think he might have left it or, or I I think he's probably given himself uh, an issue by playing for another year. I think he probably yeah. should have retired at the end of last year. But ha- having said that Jeremy and I were talking about this whilst we were wandering around Salt Lake, obviously his his former stomping ground. And, um, you know, we we, we were saying that I can understand why he's done it because he wants to get to 500. Sure. Um, And also, if you've got another year left on your contract, why not see it out and play? Obviously, when you're done playing, that's it. So if you can play for as long as you can, by all means, go and do it. But Nick Romando, you're right, a a living MLS legend. But he looks a shadow of what he was. And I thought he looked borderline uncomfortable, actually. Um, There was a few times, there was the one... But the, the, the cross came in from Metinier on the right-hand side and it took a deflection and he sort of made this awkward squirming save mm-hmm. when, for most goalkeepers around the world, that's a simple catch, really. It, it's not a not a difficult thing um, to deal with. And, and then there were a couple of other ones that I thought, um, usually the goalkeeper makes a, a standard save and clutches the ball to his or her chest and it, it's not a problem, but he, he was dropping a lot of things. Yeah. And, he just didn't look comfortable yeah. um and and you know what as i say i i wish nick romando all the best he, he he has um given this league uh so much um over the the course of his time here um but i i think it's uh, let me put it this way i hope he doesn't really 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 embarrass himself and tarnish his his reputation yeah. before he calls it a day
0: yeah yeah i mean it was clear that he was he's got the he's got the smarts for it. You know, that was one thing is that he wasn't often caught in the wrong position. It was more the physical abilities, the reaction, the, 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 the sort of the strength, the speed, things like that. And I thought it was pretty smart for, for Gregor to just keep testing him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, it's not like one of those things where you are going to suck him out a goal and then chip him or something like that. It's like, he wasn't going to get beat that way, but you just fire some shots at him, like make him have to die for stuff. Like that's, you know, I thought that was I thought that was a good plan. Um, I, let's also, I mentioned Metnir before. Great to have him back. Um, yeah. Man, what a force. Um, I mean, obviously a little, he's not rusty because he played like a week ago, like before mm-hmm. this game. Um, but just, you know, it, not quite calibrated back to MLS, it seemed like. I think he, he
1: looked tired. Yeah. yeah, He's played a lot of football over the course of the last a month. A lot of
0: football and then traveled uh, yes. internationally.
1: So. And in a different time zone as yeah. well. Like, I mean, it's, that that stuff can really wear on you. It really can. So yeah. again, but look, I still thought he was fine. Yeah. Um, he he wasn't the Metinier that we we have become accustomed to, but I still thought he was fine. And uh, look, it's it's not a concern. I, I watched him during training today on uh, on the Wednesday afternoon, and um, I I thought he was great. again By He's this week, he'll be he'll
0: be he'll be fine. He'll be back. So, um, so let's talk about Vancouver a little bit. Now this is the the game facing us that they're training for this week. Um, the last time. MNUFC faced Vancouver. It was the first game of the season. And the Loons won their first season opener ever, 3-2 in Vancouver. Rasmus Schuler was playing left wing. (laughs) Francisco Calvo headed in a go-ahead goal. (laughs) Romario Albaro ended up with the game winner. Um, It's weird because in some ways it's it's a very similar team. It's not like Mm -hmm. there's been, I think in the past years, you look at that first lineup that the team brings out and then like midway through the year, you're like, man, I don't recognize this. It's recognizable. Boxall and Opara are at the back. Ozzy and Jan through the middle, Darwin Quinteros in that his free ten role. Um, guess what? Hassani Dotson played a minute in that game. Um, Came off the bench, didn't yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, it's funny because that core is there. But there's so many little things that change that I think have have pushed the team to greater heights. How how far away does that first win feel right now from where we are in the season? Man,
1: it it, it feels like an eternity ago, doesn't it? it? Yeah. It just and it's funny because MLS have obviously shortened the season this year it doesn't feel like that at all particularly over the course of the last couple of weeks yeah. because we've had to cram in so much soccer over the last few weeks you know it's just oh man um you know look it 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 does feel like we're almost in a new season because it it feels so long ago um yeah. but in in terms of vancouver steve um i i can't think of a more disappointing campaign from a side that had such expectation coming in to the season. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they obviously made it to the playoffs um, last season. They, they've made it to the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, I viewed them coming in uh, to this campaign as a playoff team. Again, I just assumed they would be. And they had more turnover than any other team in Major League Soccer mm-hmm. in the off season. I think it was 13 new bodies. No, sorry, 17 new bodies, I believe, um, that came in. Uh, and more have arrived and more have departed since that first game at BC Place in, in March as well. Um, I was looking at some of the, some of the numbers and, and whatnot over the last couple of days, and, and it, it's the big players that have really, really let them down. Um, Bom Wong, who, who, yeah. who was meant to be this superstar coming from, from South Korea. Um, yeah. One goal, two assists in 22
0: games. He looked, he really, in that first game... You know, despite Minnesota winning, I remember watching Huang and being like, he looks good. Yep. Like he looks the part, like he looks like the part, but then it just n- sort of never went anywhere from there. Um, and it's just, the fact is two assists actually leads the team. There are four players who have two assists and that's all they've that's all they got right now. So it's just, it's not been a productive team. Um, they have great looking jerseys. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite things in that first game was they got the collar and the red numbers on the blue. Stri- like it's a good looking jersey it didn't it hasn't helped them
1: I, I do remember actually now that you bring that up uh talking to the tsn commentators up in vancouver and afterwards saying "What an absolute nightmare that jersey is for commentators because you can't <laughs> you see can't read the numbers yeah oh my word so but yeah, i like them. the old school vibe. no no. I, I love the idea and 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 you know the whole marketing campaign behind them and their, their season was fabulous you know yeah. like it only takes a village and all that stuff and yeah um
0: shows sure, marketing can only go so far <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely yeah um but no, I, I just, when I look down the roster, there's, you know, there's a couple of really good little pieces, but I, I just, it's just not work for them. The, the main players that they've brought in, um, that the centre-forwards, has been completely non-existent. Freddie yeah. Montero, who, who has scored boatloads of goals in this league uh, for the Sounders, usually, um, you know, and his one year he had um, for Vancouver before going back overseas was, was good. This year, he's not been great at all. Um yeah. I understand he's had a lack of service. I get that. Las Bangura has not been great. Um, Venuso um, has not been great. I think the only player right now who can... Well, maybe two or three players who could really hold their heads up high at the moment, I would say, would be Jordi Rayner. Because Jordi Rayner is um, a player who... I mean, I'm sure Minnesota United fans will remember. In 17 and 18, he, he, he... seemed to do very well against us and scored a couple of goals <laughs> yes. and, and banked a couple of assists. He's a good player. Daniel um, Henry, I think, has done just about as much as he can mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, I do feel sorry for him at times when Ali Adnan... Galavant's on the left-hand side, and, and, and just doesn't seem to make any sort of effort to to retreat and get back and help out on the back line. It's a designated player left back, by the way.
0: Um, yeah, I wanted to touch on that because Ali Adnan's is one of those guys where he, he seems to have a wealth of, of talent, like sheer footballing mm-hmm. talent. Um, maybe a little bit of is, like the the position isn't entirely clear. You know, mm-hmm. like I think about I think about our our departed friend Francisco Calvo, um, another left back, and or who didn't want to be a left back, who wanted to be a center back, (laughs) Um, you know, and just the, the the way you're like, he is okay, I'll be frank. We had this conversation this morning. I was saying that I felt, I felt confident that Francisco Calvo is a more talented player of soccer than Chase Gasper Mm -hmm. right now. Yep. But also that right now, Chase Gasper is a better soccer player than Francisco Calvo. And I feel like maybe sometimes that I, like I, I get some of the same vibe from Ali Adnan, where I was like, he's got a lot of stuff, but it's like maybe not his his dribbling is good for an outside back, mm-hmm. but not good enough for him to go f- sort of further up the pitch positionally. Like his defense is he's probably a better defender than some 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 wingers, but maybe not as good a defender as he needs to be. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's sort of a no man's land situation with him a little bit. And then to make him a designated player, when you only have a couple of those slots. I, the, the decision seems a little odd to me, but maybe I don't know, and maybe I'm not. I'm seeing it correctly.
1: Well, to my knowledge, that the reason he's a DP is because of the transfer fee. That's the only reason. What, why he's a DP? I can't okay. imagine for the life of me that. So that they he could be bought, bought down. He can be bought okay. down. Gotcha. Yeah, which okay. I'm so sure he's one, one of those do.
0: DPs in name. So. Yes, okay.
1: which I'm sure they'll they'll do um, over the course of the next six months or so. Because I I can't imagine um, them keeping the DP tag on him. Um, I, I'm not convinced he's a left back. Yeah, I'm just not convinced, uh, but almost I'm not convinced he's a left midfielder either. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. I'm um, like... and,
1: and, you know, maybe the Calvo comparison is um, is not too too bad of a comparison. Because um, I, I say this with all due respect as well. I, I always wondered what it would be like to see somebody like Calvo. And I wonder the same with Ali Adnan, what they would be like in the central midfields. Um, because you mentioned that their actual technique and, and their passing ability range and whatnot is okay. Um they are just supremely erratic, yeah, and have no positional sense whatsoever. Um, I think it would have been a, an absolute disaster having Calvo in the centre of midfield, right. um, and, and with the way he is, he would have operated as a, as a six, as a holding midfielder. Um, and and I just would, I, I would have been concerned going into every game, yeah. and you can't have that going into every game. Uh, and I, I think the same can be said about Adnan. But um, you know, the Whitecaps don't don't have despite their millions of acquisitions, they don't really have... I mean, unless they put Niewinski at left-back and, and slot in somebody else at right-back... I. Andy Rose can play there. Cornelius is on the bench maybe. I I don't know. But But again, Adnan's clearly
0: one of their more talented players. So you don't want to just like see him
1: disappear. But he's he's also going to be one of these players that I think costs them as well. Uh, For example, it wouldn't surprise me if if should Minnesota United score on Saturday, it wouldn't surprise me if a goal came from Ethan Finlay on the right-hand side in terms of an assist or or something along those lines, you know, because... Adnan can, can wander. Yeah. He really can.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. And it's probably the other thing about Calvo in the comparison there is I think that Calvo seemed like a player where he could be successful when the system was constructed in just the right way to maximize his talents. He does quite well with Costa Rica, you know? Yep. Like, the question is, though, is like, do you want to build a system around your left center back or your left back? Like, is that, can you orient an entire system around that? And it just seemed like no. <laughs> it's not worth it, you know? So it works with Costa Rica, you know? It works, um, but you know.
1: Yes, but they they don't um, they don't build a system around him, right? So that's... That
0: system works for him, but it would be like if you had him, you'd be like, well, now we have to play five at the back. He has to play this, you know. In Chicago, he's playing, I, I believe he's mostly played left center back next mm-hmm. to Schweinsteiger, but Schweinsteiger kind of wanders, right? Like he's not. He's not like your stay-at-home center center back sitting back there in front of the goal. Like he 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 gets out and onto either side of the field a little bit more, there,
1: more so. than you would think, actually, Steve. Because he he actually you know the fire. What they do is is they have the fullbacks press the wingbacks, I guess press. Yeah. And um, Schweinsteiger will will get the ball, and as soon as he takes a step forward to dictate, Calvo and I think it's been Kappelhoff mainly this season the two of them will just tuck underneath him. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like a triangle. Yeah. And you've got the the two wide um, wing backs who, who offer an option pushing forwards. Um, and then the other wide players then, sort of ish players, tuck in. And, and, you know, it all goes through Schweinsteiger. When he's been playing, he's not played recently. But, um, you know, it, it's, um, as you say, every player is suited to a particular system. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you said it right, Francisco Calvo... Did not fit into Minnesota United system, much as I think Ali Adnan really doesn't work in this Vancouver system as well. But yeah. not a lot has this year.
0: Yeah. So uh, just to sort of wrap up this part, I have this odd feeling about this game. I think I think you might call it confidence. Okay. Like I know I know Minnesota sports teams have a deep history of failing to live up to expectations. You look at the 2004 Minnesota Timberwolves, you look at the 99 Vikings, there's all kinds of examples. Um, So I want to be clear. My expectations are not, you know, winning MLS cup. Uh, It's not necessarily even winning the U S open cup, which the semifinal is coming up. Um, That's not my expectation, but just looking at an opponent who is bottom of the table with a one, six, four away record, winless in the last eight at Allianz field with a full week of rest. Like I expect three points. That's my expectation.
1: I think you're right to expect three points, and and let's remember as well, Vancouver Whitecaps are playing in the Canadian Championship this evening as well. Yeah. Um. So they're not even going to have themselves a week's rest. Although I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if they put a weakened lineup uh, up against uh, Calvary in in the Canadian Championship uh, this evening. But um, yeah, you, you are completely right to expect three points. But <laughs> this is Major League Soccer, I know, I know. and this is the Western Conference, which has been beyond wild this season, hasn't yeah, it? So, yeah. um, whilst I, I could very easily see this being a 2 3 0 Minnesota United win, and it being um, one of the the most uh, easiest strolls in the park, if you will, um, throughout the season, I could also see Vancouver upsetting and winning one-nil because I, yeah, I, I think they'll yeah. sit back, they'll be deep, um, right? They, they, I. Because if they if they try and come and, and out football Minnesota United at Allianz Field, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Um if they come and are are direct and are patient and look to hit on the counter, maybe they have a, a chance. Um Adais has, has got a little bit of pace, uh, much more than, than Freddie Montero has. Um Bangura out wide is quick. Um, They played Tybert out wide on the left-hand side against San Jose. I'm not entirely convinced they'll do that uh, this weekend. Um, But if they have wide players with pace, uh, Felipe Martins may very well dictate if he comes back into the starting Mm eleven. So, that that will be how Vancouver will get the better of Minnesota. Will be a direct play of some sort, or indeed a set piece. I could certainly see something like Daniel Henry uh, yeah, coming up. Yeah, set pieces and, are.
0: I mean, it's a different sport almost entirely. Like a it, set it piece is. is. It's like its own thing. So. And
1: remember, know. Daniel Henry scored against Minnesota for the very first goal of the 2019 campaign. Vancouver Whitecaps took the lead. Yeah. Now Minnesota weren't as. Um, weren't as organized they weren't as familiar with each other at that stage because it was the first game of the season um that's meaning the um the uh, defensive communication and organization and backline organization wasn't where it is now sure. so I'll, I'll be intrigued to see what happens there but I, I could certainly see one of the big boys in the back either uh, henry or godoy um causing a problem from a set piece for sure
0: yeah i um i I'm going to go out there and say my, my prediction, my prediction for, not necessarily a score, but my prediction for game flow might be something. It might be along the lines of that New Mexico United game. Actually, I think like where you might see Minnesota a flat coming out a little bit, you know, and not necessarily a bad, again, I'm having heard from Adrian and players afterwards. I'm sure this was not the plan, but the effect in that New Mexico United game was that they sort of let New Mexico in. And New Mexico played their game, they put out a lot of energy, they got that first goal and they're like, we're up, right? And mm-hmm. then Minnesota United was like, mm, like, <laughs> no, you know, we're not letting this happen. So I, I wonder if we might not see some of that dynamic. Like if if maybe in a bid to to, to lure them into not simply bunkering, Minnesota is a little bunkerish. Um, I don't know if there's a thing you do, but like somebody's gotta get the ball, right? let that visitor get the ball, try to like play their game a little bit, start thinking. And then you, and then you try to take them apart once they're actually playing with the ball. But that doesn't seem like, that's not really Adrian's MO. So. I think
1: they'll come out all guns blade. Yeah, I you know. Totally honest. Steve, know. You know, I just like um, counterattacking
0: football. It's, just, it's, like, <laughs> it's
1: my curse. So. And, and, and what I will say is uh, if indeed he starts, if he plays, I do think it is a particularly big evening for, for Miguel Ibarra. Um, yeah. You know, because going up against uh, let, let's be um, completely honest with all due respects, an inferior opponents, um, I, I would expect someone like Miguel Ibarra to really take this game by the scruff of the neck, as I said, if he starts. Um, because the boy needs a goal.
0: It'd he, be a great time he, for him to yeah, get a
1: goal. And, and, and I know he scored in the Open Cup, uh, you know, up against the, the wall and everything. Great, no problem. But he needs to find more consistency. He's, he's played in several different positions this year and done very well. He, he always works his tail off. That's never an issue yep. with him. And I don't think he's been anywhere near as bad as, as people have suggested, yeah, um but he he needs to produce more in front of goal, and I think he knows that if, if he is going to push on um you know it, what was it uh, this time last year he had five goals and five assists. now he's got one and one yeah he, he needs to do more and um I think it's one of the Miguel is a confidence player, and I think once he finds the back of the net. Um, whether it's this weekend or in a few weeks, yeah, I think he'll be absolutely fine and he'll start to fly again. That'd be terrific. Uh,
0: I would be remiss if I didn't mention the U.S. women's national team at Allianz Field, which has just been announced. Yeah, uh, Man, I'm pretty excited for this. That's I mean, I, I got to say, so it's, uh, I mean, in case anybody hasn't heard already, Tuesday, September 3rd at 7 p.m. versus Portugal. I don't really know much about Portugal's uh, women's team, but um, I'm sure we have we all have time to learn. Um, it's it's. It's going to be really exciting. I'm, you know, there's, there's, I see a lot of soccer. I see a lot of soccer live. And so even the gold cup, I wasn't, I was sort of like, that's great. I could I need a break, you know, (laughs) but I'm looking at this U S women's national team, a chance to see them in person. And I'm like, I'm going to try to get some tickets. Like I'm going to try, I don't want to work. I want to, I want to be there with my family, with my daughters, you know, watching them live. I think that'd be tremendous. So
1: anytime you get a chance to see your national team, regardless if it's men or women, you should go. You should go, because it, it, it's, it's such a fabulous opportunity to go and see your country play. Are you
0: chastising me for not going to the, <laughs> no, the Gold Cup?
1: <laughs> All right, fine. I'm just, I'm just right. saying, whenever you have the chance to watch your national team play, <laughs> you, you should certainly go and do it. And yes. um, it was terrific having, having the, the men here in the Gold Cup. Um, and it'll be great to have the world champions here uh, in September. It's going to be great. And, and look, I fully expect them to put on a show. Yeah, you know, um, uh, and I hope we we get to see some of the names that we've all become familiar with over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm a big Juliet's fan. I think she had a, a wonderful World Cup. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, she, she's getting on the the, the wrong side of mid thirties now. But um, Rapino, I, I hope is is still uh, involved in the squad as well. Alex Morgan was was fabulous. Um, and has been over the last couple of years. So
0: Rose Lavelle, Wisconsin Lavelle batter.
1: was wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, so yeah, we have uh, we have an array of star names coming with the, the women's national team, and uh, yeah, how can you not be excited about this?
0: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tremendous. We'll have more information, and we'll talk more about it coming up. But I just wanted to make sure I mentioned it. Thanks for joining us for the 66th. yeah, that's hard to say. <laughs> Steady. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the 66th. Yeah, so Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, July 27th, when the Loons welcome the Vancouver Whitecaps to Allianz Field. That game kicks off at 7 p.m. Central time with pregame coverage beginning at 6.30 p.m. on Fox Sports North Plus. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating. Follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com. I'm still not on Twitter. I'll let you know if that changes. (laughs) Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. And people can like you exactly as you are.